0: Now, Lord, we come to the time in this service where we bow in your presence with our minds and hearts to receive from the engrafted Word what the Spirit has to say to the church. We know, Lord, that you're a God of presence. We thank you for we feel your presence, and we want you to receive glory and honor and praise in this house today through the preaching of your Word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And everybody said amen. Amen. The Bible tells us that God is a God of promise, He's a God of covenant. He tells us if you will do this, then I will do for you. If you will walk in my statutes, if you will keep my commandments, then my presence will never leave or depart from you. If you will walk uprightly before me, then you will enjoy my presence. The presence of God. In Exodus 33, the Bible talks about a conversation that Moses had with the Lord. Moses is a very interesting character study. You would not think that God would use Moses. But from the time of his birth, God knew him, knew his name, knew his purpose. And although he spent 40 years in exile, God brought him back to the place he intended for him. We all know the story. It's in your childhood uh, storybooks about Moses. He was a baby placed in an ark to float on the Nile among the reeds because a wonderful lady whose name was Jochebed put him in the water and told his sister Miriam to watch him. And as she watched, the queen of Egypt, Pharaoh's daughter, came down with some of her maids and saw the ark. You know the story. And the Bible said she told her maids, go and get that, that uh, ark, get that baby. And she took Moses and raised him as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But the Bible said that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But he chose rather to suffer the afflictions of God's people than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And one day while he saw an Egyptian beating an Israeli, the Bible said he lifted up a weapon and he slew that Egyptian. He knew he'd become a wanted man and knew that he'd murdered someone. And the Bible said he fled. He fled. He left and became a fugitive and became an outlaw. But one day while he was walking on the backside of Midian tending sheep for a man who would eventually become very instrumental in his life. On the backside of Midian, he came upon a burning bush. And that burning bush spoke to him and said, I know who you are. I know your name. I know all about your life up until this time. And I have decided for you, that you are to go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Now, I don't know if you fully appreciate what God was saying to Moses. To a man, he, he wondered, well, I've stayed away 40 years because if I were to go near, I know they would kill me. I know that I would have a serious problem if I try to go back to the home. I, I, I just can't do that. And he said, what do, what do you mean? Who's going to go with me? And God said, you don't need anybody to go with you. My presence will go with you. And he said, well, that's, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. But I need somebody to go with me. I need somebody to share this load with me. Who am I? that I should go down there and tell Pharaoh, of all people, let God's people go. And finally, the Lord told him, we'll send send Aaron to talk for you. We'll do all all that is necessary to make the, the thing work, and you just take my word. I am that I am has sent you, and I want Pharaoh to know that I am the Lord God. And beside me, there is none other. We know the story how that the magicians and all of the astrologers and all of the people were congregated together in a challenge against Moses and they could do some of the magic that he did with throwing the serpent down on the ground it became a stick and picking that stick up and it became a serpent. You know that story. Eventually he got the people of God out of Egypt. In fact, the plagues were so bad that Egypt was glad for them to go. But then Pharaoh got to wondering about that situation and he chased after them. And we've got the uh, Red Sea experience, you know, where God parted the waters and he led the people through the water. The Bible said on dry ground. And when they got on the other side, Miriam took her timbrel and she began to dance and began to sing because she said, the Lord hath destroyed the enemy and taken his rider and cast him into the sea. We find now Moses leading a group of people that don't know how to worship. They haven't worshiped in 400 years. They've had no inspiration. They've had nothing but slavery and bondage and hard work for 400 years. And now Moses has come and said, I'm going to take you to a land that flows with milk and honey. The God of heaven has sent me that he's going to relocate you that Egypt is not where you belong. God has a designated place for you. Hallelujah. The place of my presence, he calls it. It's a place uh, we call Canaan, the promised land. And this Moses is charged with leading this huge group of people, four million some estimate, to get them from Egypt all the way to Jerusalem and Judea and all the parts of the promised land. Moses says this to the Lord. Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me, yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is by people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry me not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech you, show me thy glory. Show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. You see, Moses knew the futility of trying to do anything without the endorsement, and the blessing, and the presence, and the abiding of the Spirit of God with him. He knew that if you were going to go without the presence, then the Endeavor would wind up a disaster and a catastrophe. He knew that if God's presence is not with you, if God's presence is not uh, uh, accompanying you, then it's a futile effort and you just won't make it. To that request, God answered, my presence shall go with you and I'll give you rest. The success of any mission is not realized in numbers, caliber of fighters, The battle is the Lord's. What is really the determining factor in any mission for God is His presence. His presence must go with us. Could I tell you at harvest, the most valuable thing we have is not a building. The most valuable thing we have is not the cars that we drive that park in this parking lot. Those issues make very little difference. The most valuable thing we've got is the presence of God. That's the one thing that distinguishes us from all other peoples of the world. It's the presence of the living God, the presence of the power, the grace, the glory, the Shekinah, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's the one thing that we have that really makes ministry successful. You see, God brought them out and brought them over the Red Sea and and finally brought them to a mount called Sinai. Sinai. It was where God dwelt. And God told Moses, he said, bring the people to this mountain. Bring them to this place. Bring my people. God owned them. He said, bring my people to this mountain that they may worship. But when Moses got them there, the Bible said the place was so fierce and so terrible. Now, that doesn't mean what we think it means. What it means is there were some major stuff going on at that mountain. There was lightnings and thunderings and all kinds of things. And the people of Israel backed down the mountain, the Bible said, and they wouldn't even touch it because Moses said, if you touch it without proper reverence for it, then you'll die. Whoa. You mean God is that serious about his presence? I'm telling you, the greatest thing, the best thing we've got going for us is the presence of God. Many years ago when I was in Richard and Peggy's home, uh, Joel was just a little type of a boy, and there were, I found a chess board there somehow or another, brought one with me, and I was showing him how to, how to play chess. And I told him, remember telling him, there's one piece that's more valuable than anything else on this board. And he said, what is that? And I said, it's the queen. The queen is the most valuable piece you've got. Why is that, Brother Jerry, he said? I said, because she can move any direction she wants to move. Diagonally, forward, backward, sideways, and she can capture any, any of the other pieces. You know, the Holy Spirit is the most powerful, most wonderful thing we've got among all the good treasures God has given us more valuable than anything else because he can move any way he wants to move. He can defeat anything he wants to defeat. He can conquer anything he wants to conquer just simply through his presence. If God's presence is there, then all of the attributes of omnipotence and omniscience are present there also. If God's presence is there, then you are the happy recipient and the benefactor of the anointing and the glory and the grace of God. Much like today, the children of Israel were in a valley of decision. Will we return to Egypt? Will we serve other gods? What are we going to do? America is at a crossroads today. We're making decisions today and making choices today that's going to affect us for years to come. Many years to come, Israel was at that same place and God was in the in the process of establishing His covenant with Israel because the children of Israel wouldn't come up. He sent Moses up and Moses came up and you know that good story that God wrote the law on the tablets of stone. While Moses is up in the presence of God, and he's enjoying the presence of God and the power of God, and he's receiving the law of God, the the articles of the covenant. If you'll keep my commandments, if you'll keep my word, the Decalogue is what theologians call it. But while he was doing that, the Bible said that there began to murmur among the people of God. And some said, Why have we let this man Moses lead us out here into this wilderness and to this mountain to die? We would have been better off if we had never, ever left Egypt. We're out here eating this loaf bread. When we were in Egypt, at least we had spices. We had onions and we had garlic and we had cucumber. We had something to make it taste better. But here we are out here in this wilderness drinking from a rock that's been following us around and picking up food off the ground. Buddy, how stupid are we? What we need to do is we need another God. The God we've got won't work for us we need another god and the bible said the people murmured and complained so much isn't it terrible that so much grumbling and complaining goes on in spite of the presence in spite of the presence and god doing great things up on the mountain and the people grumbling and what happened was when moses came down marked from the mountain with the tablets of stone he looked over and he saw a golden calf. Aaron had gone around among all the people and said, give me your earrings and give me your jewelry. Give me everything that's got gold in it and I'll make you a God. I will make you a God. Brother, I sure don't want a God made by man's hands, do you? I don't want a God that sits on the mantle. I don't want a God that hangs on my mirror in my car. I don't don't want a a, a God that you go to some shrine somewhere to see some certain person or see some relic or some icon that's going to tell you about your God. I I don't want that kind of God that's man-made. I don't want the kind of God that, hallelujah, that has some kind of endorsement by other, other people. The only God I want is the Creator God. The God who made heavens and made the earth. The God who rules out every morning the heavens. The God who by His presence and by His power sustains everything. And by Him all things consist. And all things are as they are because His presence rules and governs. When contemplating the goodness of God... All you can think of many things to thank Him for, but the one thing above all else is His presence. Deuteronomy 30 and 5 and 6 is a covenant that God made with His people. And the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed, and thou shalt possess it, and He will do thee good and multiply thee above thy fathers. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed, to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. God said, there's another covenant that I'm going to write, but it won't be on tablets of stone. It will be a circumcision of the heart. It will be a, a heartfelt and a heart-experienced uh, presence will come in. He said, I... I I know you know what it's like for the presence to dwell with you. I want to talk to you about how the presence can be in you. How the presence can be in you. For the Apostle Paul, who wrote half of the New Testament and has so many references, the way he sees this, we call it Pauline theology. The way he sees this, is that God's presence was manifested in the temple and in the tabernacle. His presence was manifested with a pillar of a cloud and a pillar of fire by night. In this scenario of, of thinking in, the, in Pauline theology, you see God manifesting himself to the people through these uh, things that are so unusual, a pillar of fire, a pillar of fire to lead them by night why the fire because of the coldness of the desert that that fire would heat up things not only would it heat up things and keep them warm it would also illuminate the way because all the fear was melted when the darkness of the night was pierced by the shining pillar of fire by night the cloud by day protected them and and shielded them from the hot sun of the day whoa blessed be god they had that presence with them that presence, the presence of the burning bush, the the presence of, of the pillar and the cloud, the presence that dwelt with them in such a dynamic way. They understood themselves to be the people of the presence. And it is with this group that the eternal God had chosen to dwell. When Moses came down from the mount and saw the golden calf, he was so disgusted. And the Bible said he threw the tablets down and broke them in pieces. When God saw the molten calf and the golden calf, God took another approach. You remember what it was? God said, my presence shall go no more with thee. It's a terrible thing to lose the presence. It's a terrible thing for churches or for people to lose the presence. When you lose the main thing, when you lose the thing that distinguishes you, when you lose the, the thing that's made you successful, when you lose the thing that has made the difference, the presence of the living God that makes the difference for you. God said to him, my presence will not go with you in chapter 33 of Exodus. And they were, of all things, in a building campaign because God had said, I want to dwell with you. You mean God wants relationship with us? You mean to tell me that God wants to have fellowship with every one of us in this house? He wants to indwell you? God decided he would move from the mountain and he would live in a tabernacle. Hmm. That's interesting. And he started giving Moses instruction. The Bible said, build it without the camp. That means don't build it in the camp, build it without the camp so that you go to the presence of God. You make an effort to get to somewhere where the presence is. Amen. And he gave him instructions for building that tabernacle and it was under construction. They were building God a house. When they made another God, they changed God. Oh, God forbid. You say, what are the gods? I don't know what you're talking about. Gods, the Bible tells us there's the God of this world. And that he has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto him, that he might be saved. There are things in this world that people worship. Got one nodded head over there. Susan's nodding her head, and one, yeah, that's right. You see, that's the thing the church has got to des- make a decision about. Which is more important, the gods of this world or the God of heaven? That's what the church has got to make a choice. Because I'm just going to tell you, God just comes right up front and tells you, my ways are not your ways. God just comes right up front and tells you, I don't act like other people act that you've watched and that you've observed. I'm not like, my ways are so much different, so much farther, so much higher above. And what God was saying was he wants you to know him in the power of his resurrection, know him in the power of his saving grace, know him in the power of his indwelling spirit. And while Moses and Aaron were in the door, boy, that was a prominent place in that tabernacle, the door, because that's where the smoke was, was in that tabernacle. And brother, every time Aaron would open that door, there that smoky presence would come out. And one time Moses was back there in the presence. And the Bible said when he came out, his face had such a brilliance and shined like a bright light. And the people could not look at him because of the illumination of the glory of God. And the Bible said they put a veil over his face so they could look at him because the glory of the Lord was so powerful that they couldn't look at him. Praise God. Another incident in the Old Testament is when they all arrived at at the tabernacle and was about to go in to offer the sacrifice and experience the presence And the Bible said they were all standing out. Samuel arrived, and he said, what's wrong? Why why are you standing outside here? They said, we can't go in. He said, you can't go in? Why can't you go in? They said, the glory of the Lord is so powerful in that tabernacle that we can't get in there. oh, I would love some Sunday morning to pull up in the parking lot and see all of you in the parking lot. And I walk up and say, hey, Drew, what's going on? Pastor, I don't know, but there's something in that building that we just can't stand. We can't, we can't bear up under it. There's something so awesome. There's something in there that is, that is so powerful, so wonderful that we just... Can't stand in the presence of whatever's in that house. Oh, glory to God. Wouldn't that be something that God's presence could be felt in such a way? The importance of divine presence and fellowship with God. We can see that in the, in the Bible. It's bookended. You know what it's bookended with? The first of the Bible is the book of Genesis. Genesis. Chapter 2 and chapter 3 are about God coming down and fellowshipping with people. Turn it over to the other end of the Bible, to Revelation 21 and 22. And you see presence of God, and you see a renewal, a new heaven, a new earth coming down from God out of heaven. And God said, Behold, I make all things new. Do you think it's just coincidence that Don told you this morning in his devotion? He read, God said, I will make all things new. You think that was just coincidence? Or do you think the Holy Spirit and the presence had a hand in giving him the devotion today and walked up and opened the service and said, God said, I will do a new thing and you look in the Word of God, and you see a new heaven and a new earth coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. God said, Behold, I make all things new, for the first heaven and the first hell is passed away, and there was no more sea, the Bible said. The awesomeness of His presence. God was really angry with them. He said, I'm not going any further. I've had it. I'm not fooling with this. Stiff-necked, rebellious, stubborn. Am I I in the Bible? Am I still in the Bible over there, Don? Do you mean God called them stiff-necked? Are you sure? Stiff-necked, rebellious self-willed. Why is that, Pastor? God was saying, if you want another God, then you go that route. I'll just let you travel that route. See how far you get. Moses said, God, you're not going to go? You're not going with us? No, I'm not going any further. I'll send an angel And an angel can go with you, but I'm not going. If your people, notice what God said. He called them your people. He didn't say my people. He used to say my people. Bring my people to this mountain. My people. Bring my people here that they may worship. Bring my people through the Jordan. Bring my people. And suddenly God said, you need to go talk to your people. When it becomes yours and not his, then the presence will depart. I said, "The presence will depart. How terrible that is that the presence would depart. You know, we read over in the book of First Samuel, and I'm hurrying over in First Samuel that there was a priest whose name was Eli. And they were fighting against the Philistines. And the Bible tells us that the Philistines were getting the best of the battle because of all the corruption and stuff that was going on with the king and with all that was happening in the temple. And the Bible said they killed or slaughtered a group of the Israelis and the two sons of Hophni and Phinehas sons of Eli, came in and said, we've got a plan. Let's go over to the temple and get the Ark of the Covenant and let's carry the Ark of the Covenant out into the battle and insert the Ark into the battle and we'll win because God always blesses whatever that Ark is involved in. Let's just take God over there and put Him in the battle. Let's just take the visible symbol of God's presence and insert it into our battle. Well, I need to tell you something else about the presence. You can't manipulate it. If you try to work it up, boy, I'm preaching now. If you've got something that looks like it, tastes like it, sounds like it, and say that'll do just fine, then the real, genuine, Holy Spirit of God will walk out the door and leave you. Boy, that's weak. Well, what happened, Pastor, when they got them out in the field and started fighting the Philistines, and here we bring this... Ark of the Covenant that contained Aaron's rod that budded the, the pot of manna and the, those tablets that Moses broke into pieces. What happened when they got out there? Things in chapter 4, Don, of 1 Samuel. What happened when they got out there? Those Philistines killed 30,000. And here comes a runner back to tell Eli what happened and the Bible said, and Eli fell off of his seat, broke his neck, and killed him. Phineas and Hophni was killed in the battle. But Phineas had a wife who was expecting a baby. And of all times for a woman to have a baby, it was during the time of the battle. And the nurse said to her, said, we're going to name this baby such and such. And she said, no, we're going to name this baby Ichabod. What does Ichabod mean? The Spirit of the Lord hath departed. Wow. It's a sad day when God's Spirit departs when God's spirit the word of the Lord says my spirit will not always strive with the man in other words God will not always play along with the stiff-neckedness and all of that kind of stuff the hard-heartedness there came a time when God no longer dwelt among his people and Moses put our text back up for us, and let's. this is the conversation Moses is having with him. He said, God, if you're not going to go, how in the world are we going to convince the people of the world and the people on the face of the earth that you are God and we are your people if you don't go? And that lets us know how important the presence of God is. Listen to what he said. The people of the earth will not know that you are God. The people of the earth will not know that I am leading people to the promised land. The people of the earth will not know that the people we're leading are the actual people of God's choice that he's chosen to indwell them. And something wonderful happened. Wherein shall it be known? Hear that I and they, the people that have found grace in your sight. Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and your people, from all the people of the earth on the face of the earth. If you don't go, then there's no need in leading us anymore. I'll go back and see if I can get my job over there with the sheep. Go back to Midian and do back doing what I was doing before we ever started this thing. Amen. God said, I will go with you. Yeah. Changed my mind. Huh? Okay. I'm going to go with you. That's right. I'm going to go with you. And there we have a beautiful picture of the grace of God the loving kindness of God. Yes, we saw the anger of God when He said, I'm not going with the stiff-necked people anymore that's made them a molten calf for a God. I'm I'm not working with that anymore. But then God said, all right, I'll go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm glad that when we mess up and when we make a mess, and when we do wrong and sin, and are rebellious, and are stiff-necked, and hard-hearted ourselves, then God, in His grace and mercy, says, well, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. I'm going to go so that everybody, person on the face of the earth will know that I'm God and they'll know that you're my people you are my people my presence will go with you come on Olivia and help me quit Exodus 33 now therefore I pray thee verse 13 if I found grace in your sight show me your way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. When he said that, God said, verse 14, my presence shall go with thee. My presence shall go with thee. In chapter 32, God said, my presence is not going to go with you. But when he said, I want to know you, that I may know thee, verse 13, that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is thy people. And God said, then my presence will go with you and I will give thee rest. And he said to him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in your sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people from a. All the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing. You missed a good place to say thank you, Jesus. God said, I will do this thing. Yes, I was mad at you for getting that calf. Yes, I was agitated and angry with you that you'd make another God besides me. But the Bible said he will not be angry forever. He will not be angry forever. And God said, because you want to know me and because you want to walk with me and you want to want to experience my grace and you want to experience my presence, then God said, then I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight and I know thee by name. You have found grace. Who else found grace? Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. David found grace. And you know what his prayer was? Lord, restore. Renew. Refill. Revisit. Restore the joy of thy salvation. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. What a prayer for restoration. What a prayer for renewal. Now let me tell you about Pauline theology. He sees all that I've preached today as a background of the presence and the glory. And he sees, Paul sees this, that when God poured out the Holy Spirit in the book of the Acts of the Apostles, he was doing the renewal and doing the refurbishing and was doing the regeneration and the revisit. He said, I will, I will get in the midst of my people and I will do something amidst my people that yet this earth has never seen before. Never seen before. The sons of Aaron, Leviticus 9, 23 and 24. The Bible said they were offering the evening sacrifice. And the Bible said, and they came in and took censers and they offered strange fire. Strange fire. What does that tell me? That tells me that there's the genuine presence of God, but there's also some strange fire. That's not the genuine. I don't want the counterfeit. I don't want the look-alike. I don't want the substitute. I don't want the second rate. I want the genuine thing, don't you? And I know there is a genuine presence of God that makes the difference. There is a genuine Holy Spirit that makes the difference in people's lives. It really, really does. Stand with me, please. When I walked through the door, I sensed his presence. And I knew this was the place where love abounds. For this is the temple Jehovah God abides in. We are standing in his presence on holy ground sing with me we are standing on holy ground and I know that there are angels all around let us pray Jesus, now we are standing in his presence on holy ground. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We adore You, Lord Jesus. We give You all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. For Thou alone art worthy to receive glory and power and honor. Our God is an awesome God. Awesome God. And I want to tell you, when He shows up, He does great and mighty things. Great and mighty things. greatest thing Harvest has got going for it is the presence of God. Brenda, it's the presence of God. Lisa, it's the presence of God, honey. That's what makes the difference. It makes the difference. Brother Hughes used to preach, the anointing makes the difference. The anointing makes the difference. Take the hand of that person beside you. God, these are the wonderful people of God. I preached to them today the message you laid upon my heart. We'll continue this next Sunday should you tarry and talk about that Holy Spirit poured out. But I want us to understand that the glory and the presence is connected and tied to the Spirit of the living God. That when you poured out your Spirit in the book of Acts, You were doing the renewal and doing the refurbishing and the regenerating when you said, Behold, I do a new thing. God, help harvest to experience the new thing that you're doing. Help harvest, O Lord, to be right in the middle of a move of God so mighty, so powerful that people of the earth can say, Those are the people of God, and God is great, God is good, and God is merciful. Now as we go out of this building to be salt and light, I pray that your anointing and your presence would go with us through the powerful and strong name of Jesus, who I am and who I serve. Amen and amen and amen.